Welcome to Reflection on Plum. Today's episode is on Genesis chapter 1. Even though I posted the initial show last week, this feels like the real first episode because this is where I actually begin talking about the Bible. So let's jump right in. Genesis 1 opens up with, In the beginning God created. The implication here is that God already existed before the beginning. In the beginning, before the heavens and the earth existed, when time began, God created. After that, we're taken through God's activities in progressive, orderly way. God created light, day and night, the sky and seas, the land and the plants, the sun, moon and stars, birds and sea creatures, and finally animals and people. Several times through the process, we're told that God stopped and saw that his creation was good, but it's not until the end of the sixth day, after man has been created, that God looks upon everything he has made and sees it as very good. So like I said, Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There are a lot of verses in the Bible, but there's something about this one in particular that stands out. Is it because it's short? Is it because it's simple? Is it because it's to the point? Is it simply because it's the first verse of the Bible? I have no proof, but I'd wager that if you ask someone on the street to recite just one verse from the Bible, more people in the world would have this one memorized than any other. Even if someone said they couldn't recall any or didn't know any, you could probably prod them with the question, how does the Bible start? And they'd be like, oh yeah. I imagine even the most hardcore atheist could even answer that. When I was writing the draft for this, I had written that I felt that this verse was overlooked, but I don't think that's right, especially in light of what I just said. I do, however, think it's underrated and has a tendency to be glossed over. In reality, the simple statement being made is profound and it's foundational. It sets the theme for the entire Bible. It answers the question, where did we come from? God created. It says in the beginning, God did something. It says we're going to hear a story about what God has done. I think it's important to note here that Genesis 1 tells us about what God did. It does not tell us how he did it. For example, in Genesis 1-3 it says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. What we're told is that at God's spoken word, light began to exist. It doesn't tell us how. Did it simply appear, as the statement implies, or did God's spoken command light the fuse on that cosmic firework called the Big Bang? Did did it come from himself? We are told later that Jesus is the light of the world. Genesis 1 is all about God in action. There are only 31 verses and God did something in 22 of them. God created, God said, God saw, God called, God made, God set. In other words, the creation account isn't so much about creation as it is about God creating. The point I'm trying to make here is that the Bible, that while the Bible certainly contains history, it is not a history book and more importantly, it's not a science book. It's a documentary. Genesis 1 kicks off the Bible by documenting God's creative actions. Everything that follows is a documentation of his involvement with what he created. It's a document of his relationship with the human race. In addition to answering the question, how do we get here, Genesis 1 provides the first two answers to the question, why are we here? The first answer comes in the first half of verse 28. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. This immediately follows the creation of male and female in the preceding verse. 
I think this command is pretty clear and I don't think I need to elaborate. The second answer is actually stated twice in Genesis 1. The first is the second half of verse 28 that we just read. So here's the whole thing. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. The same thing is repeated in verse 26 with much the same wording. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the, of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So another reason we are here is to subdue the earth and have dominion over it. While the first command about being fruitful and multiplying is pretty clear, I think this one needs just a little further discussion. So here's a couple of definitions that I pulled off of Bing. Subdue means overcome, quieten, or bring under control. Dominion means sovereignty or control. And uh, sovereignty, I looked at one of them just uh, for the heck of it. That means supreme power or authority. So if we expand verse 28, based on those definitions, we get fill the earth and subdue it or overcome, bring under control, and have dominion or supreme power, authority, and control. The Amplified Version of the Bible expands subdue it as using all its vast resources in the service of God and man. I've been listening to a podcast called Lord of Spirits, and I'll put the link to that in the show notes. It's hosted by two Orthodox priests, Dr. Or, uh, Father Damick and Father DeYoung. One of the discussions they had revolved around mankind being made in the image of God. And it's not a topic I'm going to expand on here, as there's a lot to it, but I did want to mention one point that they had made. One of the aspects of God's image they said that we acquired was his work and his creativity. What that means is that God doesn't just share his creation with us. He has delegated us to bring it under control and have authority over it. Father Damick and Father DeYoung call it to put in order. If you're a Tolkien nerd like I am, we have been created to be sub-creators. So if we put all this together in plain English, we get something like this. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and put it in order using all its vast resources in the service of God and man. And have supreme power and authority over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Notice, none of this says abuse it, and it doesn't say in service to self. It also doesn't say let the earth subdue and have dominion over mankind. Unfortunately, I think that's where a lot of us are in today's world. But this isn't going to be political, so I'll just leave it at that. I talked earlier about how Genesis 1 describes what God did as opposed to how he did it. To be quite honest, I don't think it matters how he did it. I don't think that's the objective of this chapter. What we're supposed to take away from this is that God created. In the introduction to G.K. Chesterton's autobiography, Randall Payne writes, Chesterton never, Chesterton never really got over the fact that God created the world, and he somehow pities the rest of us because we have. So don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, like, whatever it is, depending on where you listen from, because that helps get the word out about this show. If you have any questions or comments, you can contact me directly on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Links to those are located on the About page for uh, this website. 
If you're a paid subscriber, you can add your thoughts and questions directly to the episode comment section. I appreciate, the time, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, listen, and I hope you'll be back for the next episode.